pray that as we open the word, God will open our hearts, our ears, that we can hear the message he has for us today. <clears throat> our first reading comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Then we turn to the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he may break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And our final verse comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. May God add his blessing to this word and, as, and Bill's message to us this morning. Well, it's a, a very full service today and uh, it's like a banquet. Um, we have entree main course, dessert, uh, maybe this is part of the main course and dessert comes with our fellowship afterwards. But it's, uh, it's good to turn to God's word and I have to marvel at God's providence. Um, when I started the series on the Lord's Prayer and I've given you the background to how God put it on my heart, I couldn't have designed that this message would match their profession of faith today. That's, that's God's work. So I, I declare that God is good and he's gracious and he definitely wants to hear us to hear this message this morning. 
So our text is, uh, as we follow the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, it's uh, verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6. Again, as we say here, that uh, the words of these petitions are short, but they are full of meaning. Their depth is amazing. So let's look at verse 13. Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or from the evil one. Let me pray before God's word is spoken through the preaching. Father God in heaven, you are a communicating God. We've witnessed that already this morning. And as we listen to you speak, our prayer is that our hearts may be ready and open and willing for you in our lives. Thank you that you are with us and that you remain in us through your Holy Spirit. The same person who wrote the word, the inscripturated word through your spirit, is the same one who now is able to make it plain to us. So Lord, do that work, we pray, and may what we hear remain. Amen. Well, dear friends, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, I think we agree that our Lord's Prayer is a framework for some of the most important things to pray about. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what we've learned in these passages and our private prayers. And that's a challenge as much for me as it is for you. When we look at where we've come from in this Lord's Prayer, we see how Jesus teaches us in the beginning of the prayer to focus on God. We pray for the holiness of his name. We pray that God may receive the honour for the progress of God's great kingdom rule that he is establishing here on earth that it might reflect what is happening in heaven. In the third petition we saw that we pray that our will, our decisions may conform to God's will. And then Jesus helps us focus on our needs. And the first one that he brings up is the essential need we have for our body and for life, which is bread for the day. The provisions of being able to live out of God's hand. And then we saw last week the essentials for our spiritual and our physical well-being in receiving forgiveness and in extending forgiveness. And now we see Jesus focus on the third important element, and it's the essentials for living in the battleground of life. And this is so relevant for our young people who've made profession today. We said in our discussions, in our prayer beforehand, that uh, you've taken a step by the grace of God, but we also have an enemy who wants to make you falter. And he will attack you in different ways. So this message is helping us to understand that and see what God has done about it. And Jesus calls us to pray. And it's also for every believer who wants to put their faith in Jesus first. Because then you're putting Jesus as Lord of your life. This part of our Lord's Prayer can be a little bit hard to understand. For instance, does the Lord lead us into temptation? Is that what the text is saying? And uh, are we asking God not to do that to us? 
They're fair questions that we will see the answer through this exposition. The first thing to notice is that the Lord's Prayer, um, and in this particular petition, comes in two halves. The first half is temptation is very real. And the second half is that we need God's help. We need rescuing. He's telling us about the Christian life and that we are in a battle zone. So let's in the first place look at the trial and temptation. If you've got your Bibles open, you'll see some footnotes that look around the word temptation. Because in our text, in verse 13, other scriptures used for testing. And so that's why we read from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, from uh, Matthew chapter 4, what happened to Jesus, and James also says the same thing. So the root meaning of the word is a test or a trial or an experiment to see the outcome. And you can have a test or a trial for good purposes or for evil purposes. For instance, when God tests us, he tests us for good purposes. He wants to strengthen our faith. He wants to deepen our trust in him. But when the devil tests us, he wants to lead us into sin. He wants to lead us into anger or hatred. We saw how the Bible uses this same word in different situations. So we want to explore that now. The first one is when testing, when trial, when experiment is by God with his good purpose. I'm just going to quote to you two passages out of James to make that plain. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. So can you see that God's good purpose in testing is to make you and me, his people, stronger, more resilient in our faith, and to prepare us to go in the next level of following Jesus? Let's have a look at a couple of illustrations from the scriptures. The first one is Abraham who's often called the father of our faith. We see that Abraham in his life and walk with God was tested and at one time severely tested to see if he would cling to the promises of God. When this long-awaited son, Isaac, had to be offered up on the mountain, that test was to see if Abraham's faith was strong enough to believe God at his word. Then we have Daniel in the exile. Daniel was in captivity in Babylon. And he was at one time in the lion's den and had to witness his three friends in the furnace who said that they would never, ever uh, deny God. And so here God was testing Daniel to see if he would be the right man in the right place in Babylon. What about Job? 
You know the story of Job, all the losses that happened to him, catastrophic. And that was due to Satan taunting God, saying, he only follows you because you bless him. And so God gave permission that Satan could test him. And yet at the very end of Job, when you read it, you'll see that Job's version or vision of God was deeply enlarged. So the testing gave him a much bigger understanding of who God is. Just a final illustration from the scriptures is Peter, who was sifted like wheat by Satan. And that sifting, that severe testing purified him and made him much stronger, much more mature to lead the New Testament church. Now, I love church history. I could go through books and books of people whose faith had been tested and proved that it was a true and genuine faith, which is what God looks for. And I'm sure that from our personal testimonies, and I think that Yannicka's testimony was very powerful to me, and Sean's as well, that when it comes through some of those really difficult circumstances, God is breaking through and making you stronger. So what is God trying to do? He's trying to tell you and me that our faith is precious to him. He wants to purify it. He wants to make it strong. He wants you to last a distance. So please, Yannicka and Sean and Stefan and Josie and Cameron, remember that when you go through a time of testing. We have a song, Refiner's Fire, and it's a song about wanting us to be more holy, set apart, more useful for the Lord. So that's looking at the trial and testing by God with good purpose. What about looking at the trial and testing and experiment by the devil with evil purpose? Our read led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and tested by the devil, even though that's under the sovereignty of God, God allows it to happen, but that does not take away from how real that temptation actually is. And Jesus fasted for 40 days. I've never fasted for 40 days. Bones could look like bread if I was that hungry. And so Jesus is tested uh, right at the very beginning of his ministry. He's just been baptized and he goes into the ministry and Jesus has the cross in view. He knows what it means to follow the Father's will and here is Satan offering another way to bypass the Satan. How audacious is the devil in asking Jesus to worship him? And then we see Peter and the disciples in Luke chapter 22, where, where Jesus, with great compassion and sympathy, uh, says to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded you. Satan goes up to God and demands to have Simon and the disciples that he may sift you like wheat. And then Jesus says, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Satan wants Peter's faith in God to fail. And then right near the end of our Lord's ministry in Matthew 26, Jesus pleads with the Father that this cup of suffering, this testing might be taken away from him. And so from the beginning to the end and everything in between, Jesus 
is tested by God for good, but he's also tempted by Satan for evil. Now this leads to a very important observation. And this is the second half of the message. We're going to look at how this relates to us. Because God is telling us he always has good purposes when he allows us to be tested. He loves to see a purified, strong faith. And Satan always has evil purposes in mind when he tempts us and he makes those temptations very appealing and he wants our downfall. And this is what we need to observe. Even when God tests our faith for good and when Satan wants to snatch the opportunity to try to trip us up and lead us into sin, God is still in control. That's what Job teaches us. God is that Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer. When we pray this prayer, we rely on God. We call on him for protection. He will deliver us. That was the promise of 1 Corinthians 10.31. And I, I hope that all of us can put that one in our memory bank about temptation. And so God gives us the resources in this battle. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his word. He gives us Christian friends, our fellow soldiers in Christ. And then as we see from Jesus and other passages, God even sends angels as ministering spirits to encourage us. And so please, in the Christian life, we might look for comfort and coziness. But this passage is telling us, no, no, we are in a war zone. You know, on the media, on the news, you see what's happening in Ukraine. You see where rockets bomb these towers and smash them to pieces. You see the artillery and you see snipers firing away. That is a very physical warfare and it's in your face. What Jesus is telling us that is that we're facing a spiritual warfare. And the danger is that we may be deluded Satan can delude us. He can say, look, the Christian life and all this stuff. So he seduces us. And then we can be sleepy Christians, unaware of the battle and distracted and drawn in by Satan. We can develop habits that lead to a weak Christian life and a poor relationship with God. And that all plays into the devil's hands. But when we look at this petition, we see also the importance of community. Because the prayer doesn't say, lead me not into temptation. It says, lead us not into temptation. And so what that means very clearly is that we have a responsibility for each other. And we have an influence on each other. So our action or our inaction can be a temptation for others to follow. We can also fall and falter and make other people fall, depending on how we use our Sundays. Or maybe the exposure to videos and movies that we watch can be very harmful to us. And we're always exposed to, exposed to the pervasive sexual temptations of the internet. And even as we walk together in community, we can sometimes 
tempt others by what we feel we've got the freedom to do by violate, violating their conscience. We can do that wittingly and unwittingly. And young people can be so vulnerable, especially when seeking friendship or acceptance. And so when we think about our community, we are called to build each other up in the faith. We are connected to the body. We are each joints and ligaments and muscles supporting each other, growing together, building each other up in love as each part does its work. So let's be thoughtful about the things that we do uh, when that has an impact on the people around us. Satan is cunning. He is a dreadful and fearful enemy of God's people. And the very things that God uses to test and grow our faith for good, Satan sneakily weaves into that and tries to tempt us to sin and disobedience to harm ourselves and others. So when you pray this petition of the Lord's Prayer, what you're really saying is, Lord, in the testing of life, let me not be drawn into temptation. You see, it's a terrible mistake to underestimate the power of the devil. And likewise, it's a terrible mistake to overestimate your own strength. And so what this petition is telling us, what Jesus is driving at, is when we ask, deliver us from the evil one, we remind ourselves that Satan, in all his cunning, is still under God's control, but we admit that we are weak. We admit that we haven't got the strength in ourselves. But you know what? When we stand with God, we can actually conquer Satan. That's what the word says. Look at Romans 8. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul says that, that nothing can separate us, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. They cannot separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And look at James, what he says in 4.7. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Don't forget that God is an expert in his own purposes. Can I say that again? God is an expert at using the devil's work to accomplish his own purposes. And the best example of that is the cross of Christ. Satan thought that finally he had Jesus killed and nailed. He tried that ultimately, there he is, hanging on the cross. And yet God used the cross to checkmate Satan and to defeat him forever. Yes, see what God can do. And then remember Jesus' prayer in John 17 verse 15. I must admit when, I'm, when I was preparing this message, I could say about all of these things, but I've just condensed it. We can look at it another time. But look at what Jesus says in John chapter 17 verse 15. Jesus' prayer to the Father for us. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, 
but that you protect them from the evil one. And that's what Jesus is praying. But consider this. If God took us out of the world every time the devil tempted us, we would be constantly raptured Christians. If God took us out every time there was a temptation and, and delivered us by saying, yeah, get out of here, we wouldn't be much use to anybody, would we? We wouldn't be. There would be no presence for Christ, no presence of Christ in the world. But when we stay in the world, as Jesus' prayer indicates, we resist the devil. And with God's strength, we help each other. And we have the victory and God gets the glory. So this prayer is not about being Christian wimps. God wants battle-hardened soldiers. That's what he wants. And that's what this prayer is about. Now, after Paul mentions in Romans 16 this great list of fellow gospel workers who helped him, he says something quite amazing in Romans 16.20. He says, The God of peace will... Did I hear that correctly? The God of peace is going to soon crush Satan under your feet. So stand firm, dear friends. Hold your ground. It's under the boots of Christian foot soldiers, that is the body of Christ, that Satan will be crushed. That's how God is going to finally deliver the blow. His word says it. Now, Josie and Yannicka and Sean and Stefan and Cameron, this is what you are enlisting for today. This battle zone. Join us in doing the work of the Lord in this place. I love the way the high, uh, in a very down-to-earth way, it's always very personal. Look at what it says in the answer to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. By ourselves, we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, Never stop attacking us and strength of your spirit so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. I found that last line quite interesting. Until we finally win the complete victory. He is only meaningful if we means we belong to Jesus. When we in Christ finally win the complete victory. So in conclusion, it's a short one. In praying the first three petitions, Jesus says that we are declaring war on Satan. The first three petitions are about the things that Satan hates. God's honour God's kingdom, everything conforming to his will. He hates that. And so in this sixth petition, we are crying out, Lord, do not let the devil have victory. Come to my rescue. He has. Let's pray.